You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning. Who is excited today that the Lord is still changing lives? Amen? Amen. Amen. Before uh, I jump in yet, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Banner Church. Excited for this awesome season. Uh, we have some really cool stuff coming up. One of them uh, is that we are going to be partnering with Tonalea to really bless kids as they go back to school this year. And if any of you know, uh, it was a unique year last year. And so we want this to be an exciting year as kids go back to school. Amen. And so one of the things we want to do is we're, uh, we want to bless them with all the supplies they could need, uh, especially our, our incredible students at Tonale. We know that, that God wants to move in their lives. And so our incredible kids, Pastor Delaney, made up these cards, and they're all numbered. I have uh, number two, and uh, this is an elementary boy, and we just want to encourage you to take this card and to get the things on the list, put them in the backpack that's also on the list, and then tie this to it. They're numbered because they represent kids. They don't represent a card that dies on the floorboards of your car. This is this is somebody. This is someone's kid that we want to bless. And so I want to encourage you, we're going to be doing that at the end of the month. So this morning when you leave, go ahead and grab one of those cards, take it with you, uh, fill out a backpack, uh, bring it back, and just put it at the table there. And we want to bless kids. We're going to have a really cool back-to-school bag here at the end of the month uh, in partnership with the school. So when before they go get their schedules, they'll come here and we're going to bless them uh, doing all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be good. But today we're starting a series called Praise the Lord. Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I uh, excited. It's a worship series, and so we got these uh, really great pews that we sanded down. Ironically, I started sanding these pews down the one time in 125 days it rained. Uh, uh, but, you know, some of my favorite moments uh, in high school is that moment where God was moving on my life as a young adult. I remember just turning around and just kneeling down on the pew and just like giving everything to the Lord, right? Or on the seat, or we met in a school, so like the auditorium, like I don't know how many butts have been on this auditorium seat, but I'm just like giving it all to the Lord, right? I'm laying it down, and so we long for that. We long for revival on the altar, and I have been so encouraged by what God has been doing at the altar. How many of you have just been so excited about by what God is doing in the altar here? Amen? Oh, come on. Come on. There we go. All right. Awesome. You're allowed to clap. If you're new to church, and like you thought the building would be, you know, a little more intimidating than this, and the pastor would, you know, dress a little nicer. Like this is it. This is the whole thing. And so you get to have fun, and you get to engage, and you get to celebrate, and you get to move, and like no one gets to judge you. It's great. It's awesome. We get to celebrate each other. But um, how many of you guys have ever been surfing? Anyone here been surfing? I uh, I went surfing for the first time uh, in Hawaii. And uh, one of the nice things about living in Washington, it was really cheap to fly to Hawaii. Um, and Washington is gross, and Hawaii is beautiful. And so any, you know, you save up money, you can do it. I mean, not like you can, I mean, I don't know, can't do it all the time, but, you know. Once, once in a blue moon. Uh, so anyways, we went to Hawaii. It was my wife and I and, and uh, my, my parents. And we went there and uh, we wanted to learn how to surf. And so in my mind, I thought, well, I can skateboard and I can snowboard. So I'm going to crush surfing, right? In my brain, uh, I was ready to rock. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that surfing is nothing 
like skateboarding and snowboarding. In fact, I don't think that helped me at all. I don't know what the, op it was the opposite of helping. Uh, but my wife is not only beautiful and amazing, she is also naturally gifted at surfing. Uh, it was totally unfair. Uh, no, uh, but it was amazing. She just like, she got up and she did it and she was like riding out. And so uh, we had someone who was teaching us to surf. Um, and, and, you know, it's that, that like total surfer vibe person, long hair, some age between 20 and 45, but you can't really tell, right? It's just the same look. Um, and they were teaching us. And so, you know, everyone's surfing and, the, you know, I, I, you got to paddle out. And I don't know if you knew this, but when you paddle out, you do all this work to paddle against the entire pull of the earth and the most mighty force in nature that's pushing you back to the sand. And then once you get out, you say, what if I stood up and had this mighty force slam me against said earth and push me back to the beach? Wouldn't that be amazing? Right? And you do that, and you pay to do it. Um, but, so that's what I was doing. My wife was surfing and enjoying it, and just she's amazing, and that's what happened. Uh, I, on the other hand, was not enjoying it, and I was trying to paddle out. See, but what I did not know is there are places you paddle out and places you don't paddle out. Because um, maybe you're not, you don't know what the ocean is, but let me explain it to you. There's these things called waves, and waves make like this arc motion, and then you make this like motion because you're getting slammed by waves. And so there's a spot in the break where you have to paddle out, and I, I didn't know this. I was getting frustrated, and my wife, you know, was just surfing by me, making fun of me. And uh, so finally, the surf instructor came up, and he's like, kind of like, hey, man, like in a super cool surfer way, but it was like, kind of like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying, man. I'm just frustrated. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be beautiful. I'm in Halaiva, like I'm in Hawaii, like it's supposed to be amazing. And I'm just like pissed. And he's like, well, that's because let me show you how to do it because this is supposed to be fun and exciting. So he's like, okay, you go out here and this is where you paddle out and then you get up to the wave and then you ride the wave in. And then you go back over here again. You don't paddle against the wave. I'm like, okay. So I tried it, and I, and I, and I used the tools that he showed me, and I still wasn't any good at it. But I had a lot more fun, right? Because he showed me how to do it. And I at least, like, enjoyed the scenery and the ocean and, like, sea turtles. And I was still a little afraid a shark was going to come and get me, if I'm being totally honest, because that's how my brain goes. Uh, <laughs> but same. Thank you. Thank you. This is a safe place. Uh, but I began to enjoy it more. It was way more enjoyable, way more fun. The reality is that each one of us was created to worship God. It's in our being. Like to worship in music and singing and clapping and raising our hands, lifting a shout. It is our nature. It's what we were created to do. But I think often we get thrown into the ocean and we don't really understand what we're doing. We don't really understand how to do it. We don't really, we haven't really been given the tools. So really it just comes down to like who's maybe more naturally inclined. And then we use words like feeling. I feel, it makes me feel something. I feel good. And so we kind of go like, oh, that person's really a worshiper and I must not be. It's just kind of not a season for me, so I'm just going to show up late to church and try to skip that part. But today, and in this series, I want to give you tools and teachings about how incredible worship is, how powerful worship is, what a blessing worship is. Worship is supposed to be a blessing, not a burden. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
And so we're going to talk about, today I'm going to talk about what are the really the fundamentals of worship. Then next week, Jamin is going to talk about worship as spiritual warfare. People keep asking me, are we going to have church on 4th of July? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Why would we not have church? It's like, oh, you want to like eat like eight hot dogs and blow your hand off? Yeah, I probably shouldn't do church. It's like, kind of sounds like we need to do extra church. I've seen what some of y'all do on 4th of July. You might need to come to church first. <laughs> y'all need some Jesus before you almost die. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about worship in the presence of God. My wife's going to be preaching about how worship brings freedom. Really excited about that. But today I want to start with uh, the foundations. What is worship? Why do we worship? What does it mean for us? So uh, let, let's begin. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that the word is alive and active. I pray that it would speak to us today. And God, not only would it speak to us, I pray we would respond today. May we be quick to listen this morning. May our heart and our ears be open. In your name, amen. Okay, let me just give you some things. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you something right off the bat. You ready? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Thank you. My goodness. All right, let's wake it up. We are created to worship. In the very beginning, you and I were created to worship God. We were created to worship God relationally and musically. Let me explain. We were created to worship God relationally. Let me give you a scripture. Genesis 1:27. Back to the beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were created in God's image. And scripture shows us that we were created to live in union, in relationship with God. And we know from when the fall happens... That, that man, that Adam and Eve would walk in the garden with God. How crazy is that? But when the fall happens, Adam decides he does not want to go on a naked walk with God through the garden. <laughs> He's like, oh, wait, hold up. <laughs> because shame enters in. When sin enters in, shame enters in, right? But we were created to walk in union in the glory of God. But in the fall, Adam and Eve sinned. What do I mean? I mean, they were told by God, you can do whatever you want. But he also gave them a choice because love, relationship, it requires choice. Every relationship must have a choice. Will I choose to love or will I choose to disobey? Right? If you're not given a choice, you're just programmed. You're a robot. But you were given a choice. Adam was given a choice. I'm going to choose to obey God or not obey God. And they said, you know what? I'm going to choose not to not obey God. I'm going to choose to be God of myself. I'm going to choose to follow myself, do what I want to do. And so because of that, they broke the union with God. They broke this relationship that existed and sin enters into the world. And they were cast out of the garden. And, I, and sin is so tragic in the sense that the world is broken, but it's also tragic in a, in a deeply poetic understanding of the fact that all of creation was created to glorify God right? The mountains, the, the lilies of the field, right? It, it all, the stars, the universe declares the glory of God. And yet in all of the universe, mankind was gifted so uniquely to worship God. 
We were called to something higher. We were given the ability to praise, to worship, to live in relationship with the Most High God. Chipmunks are not living in relationship with the Most High God. Right? Bees, they still make honey. They still do their created intent. But they're not like having conversations with the Lord. That would be crazy. <laughs> but all creation is declaring God's glory. See, uh, I love how uh, A.W. Tozer describes it in a book, Whatever Happened to Worship. He talks about how mankind was given this beautiful harp that is worship. Except what mankind did is they took that harp and they threw it in the mud to pursue lesser things. And there that harp laid for centuries as God constantly worked to restore his people to the place of relational worship with him. Now God made a promise to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bring a great people out of you. And he brought the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, God brought them out in the exodus by Moses. But what did he bring them out to do? He brought them out to worship. He brought them out to worship. They said, let us go so that we might worship the Lord God. We are under the weight of demonic forces and evil and oppression of the enemy in Egypt. We want to be released from our bondage, not just physically, but spiritually. We want to worship. And so God brings them out to the desert, and he builds this thing called the tabernacle. One of my favorite words, right? Ta somebody say tabernacle. Tabernacle. That's just a great word. He builds the tabernacle. And it's this residing place of his presence where the people of God would come and worship him. And his presence would reside there. And the priests would go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God resided. And all the people would gather around the tabernacle and they would worship the Lord. And they would make sacrifices to him, atonement for their sins, saying, Listen, we understand that we in our disobedience have chosen death over life. And we understand that a sacrifice must be paid for the debt of our sins. And in the temple, the same thing, the temple, a permanent residence of the Most High God. But again, Israel, just like in the fall, right? Israel uh, turns from the Lord, chooses to follow their own ways and their own selfish pride and their own sin. So the presence of God is, leaves, and the people are destroyed. And they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. Like, wait a second, God, I thought you were going to be with us before us. We want to live in union with you and worshiping you fully and completely. And so Jesus Christ comes. God sends his one and only son to die for us. He is the sacrifice. There's no more sacrifices. You don't got to come in and bring like a goat with you today. Like hope he brought your two doves or like half an oxen or whatever it is, right? Like you didn't have to bring any of that. There's no sac The blood has already been shed for our sins, for our debt, for us, for what we have sinned and for our shame. And so just like in the temple where they would come and they would sing and they would shout and they would worship and they would praise and they would declare, what's amazing is that believers, we are now the temple of the presence of God. And so when we come together, we are now the temple. We are now the residing place of the presence of God. Did you know when you gather worship to worship God, you got a little bit of authority on you? You got a little bit of ownership. You're an important part of what happens here. You set the tone and the attitude of what happens because we gather and the Spirit of God is upon you. That's why people, they, they worship in parks, hotels. We've worshiped in schools. We've worshiped in hotel um, side meeting rooms and in buildings like this, right? But the presence of God is there amongst His church. 
Because those who have received Christ have been restored, have picked back up the harp to praise God as they were created to do. You were created to live in worshipful relationship with God. It is not your natural state to live outside of worship. All of this counter-worship culture and attitudes and actions is unnatural. God has created us to be worshipers. That's our natural state. That's our natural place. Let me, let me give you two scriptures today. If you're with me, uh, jump to Colossians chapter 3. If not, the words will be on the screen. So don't worry, we'll jump around a little bit. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this. And let the peace of Christ, this is uh, speaking to the church. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. People say, like, well, isn't everything worship? All we do is worship. My work is worship. My gardening is worship. Everything I do before the Lord is worship. True. That, that is true. It's an act of worship. But you know what also is worship? Worship. <laughs> like, literally singing worship. Like, praising God. Right? The musical act of worship. If you uh, told a, in a, in an early century Jewish person, are you going to go worship the Lord? And they would say yes. And you know what they would go up to do? They would make a sacrifice. They would read the law, scripture, and then they would praise God. That's what they would do. They wouldn't be like, well, my time is my worship. Right? They'd be like, nope, my worship's my worship. And part of worshiping is worshiping. I didn't make the English language. I hate it too. But that's the word we got. Right? Our musical, whatever we want to call it. That since the beginning, musical worship was worship. And it's always been the response of the people of God to praise God. To sing in their suffering. To sing in their victory. To sing in their trials. To sing in their triumphs. To sing in the presence. To sing in the seeking. Are you with me? It is what we were created to do. It is more unnatural than natural. Because we were not only created to worship relation, we were created to worship literally musically. Did you know that music was created to affect our entire being? Does anyone love, like, I just love uh, researching about, uh, like, the human body and the world and the natural world. You guys like that? Just scientific study. I love reading scientific research. I, I love it. It fuels me because I know the deeper we get into the world, the more it points to the glory of God because we always get to this, like, wait, wait, why this? And I love just watching people get to the end of that being like, I got to make some leap of faith. It's either nothing or God, right? And, and we, we get deep. I, I love scientific research. Uh, I was reading uh, a researcher at Tufts University who said, most animal songs are innate, which means they're born with them. It's their signature sound. Except for a few species of birds, like parrots, <laughs> the ability to learn song is uniquely human. Guess where the parrots learn the songs from? Humans, <laughs> right? It's unique. Music uh, is, a, is a deep part of us, but not just music, the ability to make song and music. 
Music has been scientifically proven to influence on our bodies and our minds. It's not just ambivalent sound waves. It stirs something up. Did you know that listening to music releases neurotransmitters such as dopamine that can regulate or enhance our mood, that can affect our emotional state, that can then actually engage our memories and our subconsciousness? How about this? When we sing, did you know this, that singing is a biologically proven natural antidepressant? Like the act of singing, the vibrations of the sound that comes through your body and what it activates in your mind is actually an antidepressant. It releases endorphins. It stimulates the release of oxytocin, which alleviates anxiety and stress. God built you to sing. Now, it doesn't say anything about how good you sing. It just says you were built to sing. I'm not perfect in any other part of my life. It doesn't stop me, right? I'm not a perfect husband. Still got married. <laughs> not a perfect father. Still have kids. Not a perfect pastor. Still do this. Not a perfect singer. Still sing, right? I love this research conducted at the University of Frankfurt. I'm going to tell you right now, not a scientist. I did Google all of these terms because I didn't look like an idiot. Um, but man, it's hard to pronounce these words. So can everyone just give me grace here? <laughs> okay, thank you. I went to school for philosophy and ethics. Uh, and, you know, uh, but I did look up these terms to understand what they meant. But if you're like a doctor here, give me, give me so much grace. Um, you're like, we already do. <laughs> <laughs> Research conducted at the University of Frankfurt found that a professional choir members who had their blood tested before and after an hour-long rehearsal displayed, and this has nothing to do with what they're singing, this is just the act of singing, displayed a greater amount of antibodies called immunoglobulin. Yep, I had the Google Translate tell me that one. Immunoglobulin. A, after the rehearsal. These increases were not found in the choir members who simply listened to music. In the study titled, Singing Modulates Mood, Stress, Cortisol, Cytokine, and the Neuro something, Activity in Cancer Patients, researchers found a high level, and I can't explain this, of uh, uh, cytokines present in the blood of those who sung for an hour in a choir and a lower level of a stress hormone called cortisol. So, uh, they found higher levels of immune system enhancing qualities in the blood, and they found lower levels of a stress hormone called cortisol. So when we sing, we breathe in lots of oxygen. It's good for our blood. It oxygenates our blood. We actually, like, breathe better when we sing, and, and we, it actually is good for our bodies. We were built to sing. Your human body, regardless of tonality, was built by God to sing. It improves your brain function. It improves your memory. It will improve your creativity, and it will release chemicals in your brain that will make you happier. That's pretty amazing, right? That's built within us. Isn't that crazy? When you sing, you feel better. Just in case you're wondering what all those words mean. When you sing, you feel better. Like, not when you sing, when you just, when you sing. When you sing, you feel better. But kind of above all that, which is really cool, music is the language of emotion. Music gives expression when words are not enough. Music is powerful. Right? Even people who are not into music have to recognize that music has power. There's a reason you don't play spoken word at your wedding when you walk down the aisle. Right? Just somebody talking. 
just monologues from the office, right? There's a reason you play music. It's stirring. It's not just your uncle in the back saying, one, two, three, one, two, slower, three, one, right? There's a reason. There's music. It stirs. It moves. It's passionate. I remember the first time uh, I was my wife, my wife and I were married, and I was away from my wife from a period of time. I got roped into going this ministry tour thing, and uh, we were gone, and I was far away in the part of country I hated, um, called Eastern Washington, and I, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote this song for her, and then when I came home, I played it for her, and uh, she liked it, which was good, because man, uh, if you write a song for your wife and she hates it, it's like, where do you go from there? <laughs> um, <laughs> but she liked it, and honestly, it just spoke to me more than texting her, right? There's some things that just say better in music. There's some expression. It didn't make me love her more. It just, music was a helpful tool to express that love. And not everybody is like a songwriter unto the Lord. That's why you'll notice that we do songs from other people. It's like, oh, they did a good job. Let's sing that one, right? One of my favorite psalms, this, this is a worship song. You know, the psalms were written to be sung. In Psalm 63, I'm not going to sing it to you now, but it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Anyone ever been there? So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. See, that's a psalm. That's a song not of somebody trying to feel something. That's someone expressing what they're feeling to the Lord. Have you read the psalms? Like, really read them? Like, half of them are just like David yelling at God because he's hurting, right? It's like it's just the realist expression of faith. Like, why are you doing this? I'm tired of living in a cave, and everybody wants to murder me, and everything sucks, and I'm hurting, and I'm bleeding, and literally all I can eat is tears. That's an emo song if I've ever heard one, right? Right? All I've had to eat today is tears. This is the hair. <laughs> right? The hair. <laughs> but music stirs. It moves. This is the thing where we're expressing to God the pain, the joy, the fear, the trust, everything. We were given the blessing of music to communicate that. That language to express our affections to God. The songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, they express our heart. And yes, music moves us, but it's more aptly to say God moves us, and music gives us the ability to respond to that. We need more than words to express how much we love him. We need more than words to express how great he is. We need more words to express how we long for his presence. We need more than words to express how much we need him to move. Some of you today, I, I, I know because I talk to you, and then I just long for you to come into worship and grasp this reality for your life. I need God to move in my life. Then what are you doing doing worship? Because he's given you the tool to be stirred and move in a place where he's moving. And not only that, you were built for it. It's not like you're trying to use a Prius at a monster truck derby. You are the monster truck. Like You are built for this. You're built for this place. You're built for the altar. You're built for worship. You were created for it. You were restored to it. 
It's what you were created to do. It's more unnatural to not do it. And yet so much of our humanity is spent in the unnatural broken places than in the free created places that God has for us. But not only that, not only were we created to do it, I'm going to tell you the second thing, and I'm going to tell it. It's going to sound strong, and then I'm going to explain it, okay? Okay, okay? Okay, good. 50% didn't say, okay, I was just going to close it, altar call. But, <laughs> okay, not only are we created to worship, we are commanded to worship. You're like, okay, okay. <laughs> we're commanded to worship. Psalm 99.5 says, exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool, exclamation mark. Holy is he, exclamation mark. There's so many commands like this. Uh, I, just for a fun search, when I was looking through command, biblical commands to worship, I found like 20 in a five-minute period. Uh, but I'm just going to read you one because there's only so much time. But there's constant commands in Scripture to praise the Lord. In fact, uh, Jesus, when he is tempted he, uh, by Satan, when he's in the desert, he actually revisits this command. He says in Matthew 4.10, says, The Lord said to him, or sorry, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's amazing. See, not only were we created for worship, but God is worthy of all the worship. The worship solely belongs to him, and he invites us, he calls us, he commands us to bring it back to him. It's like the tithe, right? The tithe is his. If you keep it, you steal it. The glory is his. If you keep it, that's called pride. If you give it to him, it's called humility. What comes before the fall? Does humility come before the fall or pride? Pride. The glory is his. Only God is worthy of worship. Our culture is really great at worshiping people. We're really great at worshiping politicians. We're really great at worshiping musicians and athletes and influence. We're really good. And I'm not saying you shouldn't look up to people. You shouldn't, like, follow patterns to see, like, oh, hey, like, that's a very successful business model. I'm saying, like, we worship them. Like, you can tell the difference. But only God's worthy of our worship. And it belongs to him. You're saying, oh, so God says we must, we must worship him? It's kind of an interesting thought. God says we must worship him. I've heard it said this way. It's a different kind of must. Let me explain. Uh, Edward Carnell said, suppose a husband asks his wife if he must kiss her goodnight. Husbands, her answer is, you must, but not that kind of must. What she means is this, unless a spontaneous affection for my person motivates you, your overtures are stripped of all moral value. We are commanded to worship God. We must worship God, but it's not that kind of must, because if it's forced worship, it's not worship. We're commanded to worship God because his commands are perfect. The desires of his heart for us are good. See, he wants to focus our heart back on him, and most of our life we spent it focused on everything else but him. Worship is about refocusing. You're like, I'm just not feeling it when I come into worship. Perfect. That's the exact time to worship because you need to focus your heart upon the Lord. I'm just not feeling it. Well, thank goodness that God supersedes your feelings. 
Thank goodness that the rise and fall of the universe does not rest on how you feel today, but it rests on the faithfulness of the Father in his goodness and his truth that can heal you and restore you and focus your heart. It can rescue you. It can lift you up. It can encourage you even when you don't feel like it. But it's not a must in the sense that we believe in must. It's the must in the sense that it must be our natural response. The natural response of a life that longs to glorify the God who has rescued us from our sin and shame. See, the Word of God is constantly declaring, sing for joy. Sing in your suffering. Sing because it will bring you healing. Sing because in your prison it will bring freedom. Give God the glory who has saved you. Give praise to the Lord who is endlessly merciful to you. Sing, sing, sing. Those are commands, but why are they commands? They're commands because God knows that in your prison, praise will bring freedom. He knows that in your suffering, praise will bring life. He knows that in your weakness, praise will bring renewal. He's commanding it because he wants the best for you. How about this? Thank the Lord because he has saved us as sinners. Amen? Amen. Come on, I'm going to shake something if, if you don't believe me here today because we got to wake it up, church. I don't know if we need to hang, to just dance around or shake it up or whatever you got to do this morning, but you're missing something today if you're not feeling a little bit of fire under your butt cheeks right now because the reality is that God wants to stir something in your life. Wake up to the fact that he's given you praise and it's time to shake loose the shackles and the trappings of our lame definition of what God wants for us. The church is supposed to be on fire, not on feeling. And he's given us praise, and it flows from it. Listen, if not another good thing happened in your life, let me tell you, you have received the freedom and salvation of Jesus Christ, who has died for you, who has brought you back to life, who has restored you, and that should do something in us. I was dead. I was dead in sin, but God brought me back to life, and that should stir us up a little bit. It should get us a little heated. It should move us. It should stir us. See, a church that worships passionately understands the love that they've received. When I see a church, when I, I visit churches all the time. When I see a church that doesn't love to worship, I see a church that I'm like, man, have they really got it? Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But man, when you travel the world and you see churches that have grabbed a hold of how much they need God, they're moved. They're stirred. See, see, a privileged church, a safe church, they don't really have to worship. But I've gone to churches that are persecuted, and you know what they love to do there? Worship. Like, we come in, we're like, ah, oh, the drums were too loud. I've seen drums on trash cans, y'all, and it's some of the best worship I've ever heard. I don't know, the keys, I don't know, I just don't know if I love that song. I've heard people singing worship in languages I don't even know, and I'm just like, wow, God is moving here. Why? Because they need God to show up. They need their friends to get out of prison. Did you know we need that too? Turn on the news and you got a reason to praise the Lord and declare the goodness of God upon your life. God is moving. He wants to move. He desires. He longs to move upon our spirit. So how do we worship then? How do we worship? We were created and commanded to worship, but how do we worship today? Can you tell that this is important? Okay, good. <laughs> How are we created to worship? Okay, let me give you a couple things. One, corporately. Someone say corporately. 
corporately. That's an interesting word, corporately. Let me explain. Psalm 149 says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. If you had to guess, real quick, no wrong answers. Well, maybe. Uh, but what would be the assembly of the godly? Someone shout it out. The church, perfect. The body of believers gathered, wherever that is. The assembly of the godly. Uh, does anyone here, do you love nature in the outdoors? I love nature in the outdoors. Does, I, if you're like me, uh, I feel like in nature, in the outdoors, like I feel close to the Lord. Like, man, there's just some amazing, I love Arizona. I would say like going up in like northern Arizona and you're just like in the red cliffs and it's beautiful. There's just something about that space where you're like, man, I just have this time to focus on the Lord, right? It's so good. It's so good. And, and I really celebrate because even Jesus did that, right? Jesus would get away to the garden, right? He would go away. He'd have his space. He'd be in nature. And it's nice. Like, no one's there. That's a win, right? <laughs> right? There's no traffic. You're just there, and uh, you're there with the Lord. But I, I have noticed a little bit sometimes that those who love being away with the Lord in nature will say, like, well, I just, I worship better alone, or I worship better in nature than I do with the church. And, and I want to encourage you that private encounters are amazing. I tell people all the time, like, if Jesus needed to be both in community and in the garden, you probably do too. Private encounters are, are, are so amazing and so important. But can I be honest, the real test of whether any experience of God is genuine or just some aesthetic high is whether or not it inclines you to obey God. So if God has obeyed us to gather in the assembly and worship and build each other up together, then I want to suggest if you don't come out of nature eager to meet God in the assembly, then you need to question how you were meeting him in nature. Were you really meeting with God and listening and being led by him in nature, or is it just a really fun aesthetic high that was appealing to a sense of aesthetics and beauty and, and wonder? Because what should awaken us in nature is a longing to fulfill and walk out the, the obe in obedience the principles of God. And we're called to come together corporately. I know we're so individualistic these days, but we're called together to build each other up, to lift each other up, to restore one another, to be real and authentic together, and to worship and praise God Psalm 95 says, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of salvation. Come let, uh, let us come into the presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. See, the song of heaven, it's not a solo. It's a billion-member choir declaring the glory of God. But not only that, man, it is a blessing and should be a blessing to worship together. It should be a blessing to stand next to your spouse or your friend or maybe somebody you just met both getting coffee this morning and worship together and go, you know what? We're both coming from the trenches, but we're standing in the glory and God is transforming. That's a blessing. You know how I know that? Because have you seen what's been happening at the altar here at this church? Have you seen how God's been moving? How you see how God's been restoring? How you see how God's been healing? We've been praying for five years to see the men of the church especially really take ownership and leadership at the altar. And I have been so proud of our men's leadership team owning that space and taking leadership in that space. And just, it, it's incredible. That should, that should inspire us corporately. Corporately. Colossians 3, right? 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you. This is admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. We were created to worship corporately. We were also created and commanded to worship God earnestly. Someone say earnestly. Earnestly. In Revelation, Jesus is speaking about the church in Laodicea, and here's what he says. He says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That got a little less encouraging at the end. <laughs> you guys notice that? See, Jesus doesn't want lukewarm faith. It's hot or cold. But uh, let, let's just be honest today. I am not naturally hot. I mean, I'm good looking. No, I'm <laughs> my wife is naturally hot. Um, I am not. <laughs> uh, this takes work. The <laughs> spiritually, <laughs> uh, spiritually, uh, I, I don't. I don't like wake up in the morning. If I'm being totally honest, like let's praise the Lord. I don't like wake up, sit up. I have a guitar. I'm like, and we're singing today, right? Like I'm, you know, I don't like wake up singing in tongues. It's like the alarm goes off. Just shut it out, right? You know, I don't want to wake up. I wake up like. Oh my gosh, who's letting the dog out? Who's letting the dog out? Let's take on the day. Let's take on the day. Seize it. Whoo! All right, here we go. All right, that's how I wake up. I'm like, let's get it. <laughs> Make it happen. I'm not a morning person. It's not my gifting. I don't wake up hot, right? I'm like that uh, bonfire, you know, when you go to, and like, you, you have a, um, a bonfire when you're camping, and no matter how much like water you pour on it, there's still like way, way, way down, like two and a half feet under. There's like that little coal left. And if you're like a really good woodsman, I'm not. But if you're a really good woodsman, you like dig it up, and you can like like blow on it, right? And you get a little kindling, and you put it on it, and then finally it bursts up, and you're like, cool, cool, cool. We don't need to use the matches we forgot. And you can just you know keep building the fire. No personal experience here. That's my life, right? I need, when I get up in the morning, I need the word of God to stir up my heart and find that fire, right? I need the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to, to breathe on my life, to move upon my life. I need to throw kindling. I need in the car. I need Maverick City, you know, the worship, or whatever it was. What was that upper room that we did? Whatever this was, I need that song at like 100 to just drown out my kids screaming about Spider-Man figurines, right? That's what I need, right? I need the kindling. I need it moving in my life. I, I need preparation. Can I just encourage you as the pastor of this church who needs preparation to come to his own church to worship? Can I encourage you? You also need preparation. We need preparation. We need preparation. It's so important. We need to burn with fire, not feeling. We need to burn with the fire that comes from the Holy Spirit, not just like, yeah, I ate well and got good sleep. Because sometimes when we need worship the most is when we feel it the least. Yeah. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says to his people, he says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me, what does it say? With all your heart. With all your heart. Let me ask you some questions today. Do you come to worship ready to seek God with all your heart? Let me ask you a question. Does your preparation on Saturday night say, with all my heart? Does your preparation on Sunday morning, I'm just encouraging you to think. I'm not trying to uh, uh, condemn or, or convict you here. I'm just trying to get our brains thinking a little bit about our lives, about ourselves. Does your preparation on Sunday morning say, with all my heart? 
How about, does the time you arrive at service say, with all my heart? Right? Does it say, with all my heart? I think one of the best signs of revival is going to be like men tailgating church. Right? <laughs> That's going to be the sign. We'll know revival's happening when men show up as early to church as they do to a son's game. Let's say men's for that one. But the women, you were on it. And they're like, we're tired of carrying this on our shoulders, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? I believe that. I believe it when we're like fired up, we're ready to go. Does it say with all my heart? How about does your posture, does your posture say with all my heart? You're not putting on a mask, but are you ready for healing? Ready for healing doesn't mean fake smiles, but it's a posture, right? What does your posture say? What does your demeanor say? Could you, could you imagine, just, just think about this as we prepare for worship. Let's say, I'm going to take, take my friend Joshua who's here visiting from out of town. Let's say, Joshua, um, you come into town, you're like, hey, hey, Pastor Josh, I'm going to, we're both named Joshua, so for this, you're going to be Joshua, and I'll be Pastor Josh, and I'll make it easier for us. I don't know why I picked the only person in this room with the same name as me, <laughs> but this is how it's going to work now because we're in it, buddy, um, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, so let's say you come into town, you're like, hey, Pastor Josh, I want to take you out for a, a nice dinner. I'm like, yo, let's go, Josh. And uh, so I show up to the dinner, and you're like, hey, man, are you hungry? And I said, no, nah, man, I'm just not feeling it. You're like, what? I'm just not feeling hungry. I'd be like, you'd probably be like, really? Be like, yeah, man, I ate, like, tons of McDonald's, like, right before I got here. And then, actually, last night, I was eating, like, a ton of McDonald's, too. And then, like, actually, even a little before that, a bunch of Taco Bell. And I really just, I just stacked it, bro. You'd be like, why? Why did you fill up on all that junk when you knew you were going to come meet with me and I was going to get you something good? With all my heart. Let me ask you, are you coming hungry to worship? Are you filling yourself up with a bunch of other junk before you get here? Are you filling yourself up with a bunch of junk on Saturday night? Are you, are you hungry for it? Are you ready for it? For what God wants to do, the breakthrough in your life. We were created to worship earnestly. Finally, I'll give you this. We were created and commanded to worship expressively. Someone say expressively. Expressively. Did you know that we were created and commanded to sing, to clap, to praise God, even the bad voices. Shout out to my people who can't sing. You know what I'm talking about. My wife is the, it, my wife professes that she can't sing. I think she's an okay singer, but you know, I kind of, you know, but she is like, she is the worshiper supreme. And you know where she gets it from? She gets it from her father. And her father is in the same boat. I think he's an okay voice, not a, not a good, good voice. Uh, but her father loves to worship. Her dad is like a man. I saw this guy build a motorcycle from scratch. Like, I don't know what it means to be, you know, that counts to me, in my opinion. That's pretty manly. He's built a cabin and a motorcycle from scratch, and I think a boat. Like, that counts. Right? Um, and I'll tell you what, that man loves to worship the Lord. 
I have never been there without hearing him praising God. I have never been to a church service without him being the loudest person in the room declaring in that like dad sing voice. You know what I'm talking about? Every song is king of kings and lord of lords, right? They all, every dad sings down here we worship you. Get it, man. We need some, we need the baritones, man. We need the basses. We need you. We need you down here, right? <sighs> right? <laughs> Alec, he could sing up here. You sing down here. We need you. <laughs> right? I love it. And it is displayed in the legacy of his family and my wife. My wife worships the Lord because a man of God and a woman of God expressively. Now, these are people who would rather stay home and read a Harry Potter novel than literally go to a restaurant. Introverted. Not, not generally expressive people, but when it comes to worship, they give it their whole heart. I love that. I love that. I'm naturally expressive, if you have not noticed. <laughs> right? If you haven't noticed, it's kind of my thing. That's why I got the job. But I can look at my father-in-law, who would never, like, dance and worship or, you know, wave flags. But he will boldly and expressively declare the goodness of God even amidst the trials and the difficulty I've seen them walk through. That's amazing. That's leadership. That's what we're created for. It's wild to me that Western culture is like told, especially men, like when you can shout and not shout and sing and clap and raise your hands. Isn't it funny? Like football game, basketball game, you can yell. You can lift your hands. You can get excited, right? That's okay. But like the bar, the club, right? Saturdays are for the boys, out with the boys. I mean, I follow y'all on Instagram, right? <laughs> Saturdays are for the boys. Hey, you know, that's okay. But then church, it's like silent still. I love it, Banner. We're changing this, right? Saturdays might be for the boys, but Sundays are for the men. Like men of God get up on Sunday, and they lead their families in worship. That's what men do. Saturday, the boys are sleeping in. Men are leading. And they lead their families in worship. And they declare in truth. And it looks different for every person, but it should be an expression of what God is doing in our life. And if it's the low dad voice, or if it's the high dancing around, I don't care. But it should be something we should be leading boldly. I love seeing the men of this church. Don't you guys love to see the men of this church lead boldly and expressively? I love it. We had first service, this whole pew was just full of men kneeling and worshiping the Lord and other men behind them praying. That is like the coolest thing. So amazing. That's what God has created us to do. Let me give you a couple things expressively. Actually, band, you can come up. Singing. How do we express ourselves? Through singing. Ephesians 5.19, right? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Making a melody to the Lord with your heart. Psalm 96.1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. What is God calling us to do in that moment? Sing. Yes, Sing. He says like 12 times. Sing. Singing blesses us, but it's for God. It gives him the glory. You're like, I, I just don't have a perfect voice. Don't worry. None of you is perfect, but Christ still died for you. And he still loves you. And he has a great plan and purpose for your life. He doesn't care about perfect. He cares about pursuit. He cares about relationship. He cares about presence. He cares about you. He doesn't care how loud you sing, but he's gifted you to sing out. 
and he wants that freedom in your life. We're going to talk about how worship brings freedom. I think it's going to change your life because I don't think you knew this, but when you sing, chains are broken. But clapping, clapping your hands, right? Psalm 47, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Why do we clap? Does God care about clapping? Yeah, sure. Clapping is how we honor and celebrate. When somebody does something good, what do you do? You clap. Like the most boring sport, in my opinion, on earth cricket. <laughs> I went to a cricket game one time in England, and you know what? Everyone sits there so kindly, and then something happens, and everyone stands up and claps. It's like a 12 and a half hour long game, but still they clap. Baseball, same thing. I love baseball, but still, baseball is like the least expressive crowd in the American sports, I think. And even then you get up and scream and clap, right? You have somebody that will never clap in church, but it's like someone hits, finally hits a single. They're like, hey, right? It's exciting. We celebrate, but it has so much to do with our physical posture. How do we express ourselves in worship? Can I encourage you? It's through our physical posture. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna give you the tools and whatever house God has you building, use the right tool. So this is not me prescribing to you what you must do every time you're in worship. This is me telling you God's doing something in your life. Let me give you the tools to respond to what he's doing. There's different tools. Let me give you one. Lifting of hands. That's a tool. That, that's a response. Psalm 134 says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. See, our physical posture is important. Lifting of hands, it's important. Because our physical posture also affects the posture of our heart. And sometimes we need to bring our physical posture in alignment with what our heart's doing. That's why Jesus knelt in service to show, if you want to follow Christ, you're a servant leader. Right? It's a physical posture. But sometimes our physical posture helps to bring our heart into right alignment as well. They, they both work together. So when I lift my hands, I lift my hands in surrender. I lift my hands in celebration. And I lift my hands in invitation. Right? When I surrender to God, what do I do? the international sign of I surrender. If you do this, you have surrendered. Right? It's this or a white flag. And we're not a flag church, so please do this one. <laughs> yeah. so it's this simple. I surrender to you. I give it to you. I release it. You know what? I'm tired of living by my own strength and my own power under my own way. I release it to you. You know, when you see me at the front raising my hands in worship, that's what I'm saying. God, I give it all to the King of Kings to you. It's also a celebration. It's an act of praise. God, to you be the glory. To you be the honor. Not to me. To you be the praise. It's also an act of invitation. Before my kids could speak, how do I know they wanted to be picked up? They lift their arms up. Embrace me. I lift it to you. Some of you, you need to enter into worship in a place of just reaching your hands to the Lord. You're like, that, that's, so, that's, that's so uncomfortable for me. That's so weird for me. I, I don't know. And I just want to encourage you. You literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Just saying, Jesus, I lift it to you. I give it to you. Another posture thing, kneeling. I love kneeling. I told you we had all these guys just kneel down, their arms on these pews, just kneeling before the Lord, before him. You'll see my wife was kneeling in worship this morning, just kneeling before him, just saying, Jesus, I give everything. People would come and they would kneel at the feet of Jesus and they would say, I need healing. Lord, would you heal me? Would you restore me? Would you, 
Would you lift me? Would you do a work in my life? And you know, we still do that today. We come and we kneel before the, before the Lord. Some of you, it's, it'd be crazy to think about getting up out of your seat. Like, oh, that just gives you anxiety. Just turn around and kneel at your seat. You and the Lord, you're here for him. You're not here for me. You're here for him. To say, Jesus, I give you everything. I kneel at your feet. I give it to you completely. Psalm 95, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let me give you another tool. I mean, we're going to build your toolbox today, your worship toolbox. Bowing. Nehemiah 8.6. Ezra blessed the Lord the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Well, you know what I love in worship? As we bring ourselves low, God exalts. Different posture. This, kneeling or bowing, different, but important for what God is doing in your life. Do you know that we're not going to do a lot of standing in heaven? Mostly kneeling, <laughs> bowing, celebrating, declaring, right? And so what this worship should be is a glimpse of heavenly worship. Reflecting heaven. How about this one, dancing? Where are my dancers at? People who like to dance. I am not. <laughs> I will tell you right now, if you invite me to a wedding, this is why I officiate so I don't have to dance. They're like, sorry, I have a suit. I have to be professional. <laughs> I'm not a dancer. It's not my go-to, if I'm going to be totally honest. I'm a hand-raiser singer, and I, you know, I, I can dance if I want, if my daughter makes me. But there's a hard one for me, just like there's hard things for you. Because I, I feel, you know, like people look at you and they think things. But man, I love that God invites us to dance in worship, to stir up joy, to reflect our heart. My, my son has no problem dancing. My daughter has no problem dancing. And there's a gap between them and me that life took that lack of fear of others, right? You know, this sense. Some of you, you need to get back to that. You need to get some movement in your worship to restore your heart to joy and celebration. It's been a hard year. You need to move around a little bit. Raise your hand if you're going to judge somebody for moving in worship. Perfect. See, now you know. Nobody. It was nobody, in case you're wondering. I love, you know, we dance at weddings. We dance in clubs. I, I see, like, the manliest men on earth dance in cowboy bars, and they do, like, the steps and all this. They just, like, rode a bull, and now they're dancing. It's like, and they go, these, like, the manliest dudes, and you come into church, and it's like, I don't know, do your cowboy step, whatever you want, Western dancing. I don't care. My Latin brothers, where are you at? I see you dance all the time, right? Church is like, like, no, these are the only pews. <laughs> We're called to dance, to move. My final thing, how do we express ourselves? Loudly. Loudly. Let me say it again for the people in the back, because it's a little quieter back there. Loudly. There is a reason that we make a bit of a ruckus here, is that Jesus is a big deal. Jesus is a big deal. We're not trying to be a performance. We're not trying to be a rock concert. But can I just tell you, we can't help but get a little excited. Maybe just because we've really looked our chains in the face, but I, I cannot help but be excited about the God who broke the chains over my life. I can't help but get excited about the God who took away my sin and shame. I can't help but get excited about the God who rescued me from the pit of despair. Amen? I can't help but get excited about the God who frees, who releases, the God who restores, who renews. I can't help it. 
Psalm 150, one of my favorite psalms. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him, this is my favorite one. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Drums get in there twice. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Worship is a blessing. It's not a burden. We are called. We are gifted. We are created to worship. And can I tell you, when you worship God, when you leave behind the shackles, when you leave behind the trappings of the world that try to hold you in the unnatural state of non-worship, and you begin to pick up those tools, whether it's simply bowing or it's lifting your hands, whether it's dancing, whether it's declaring, whether it's singing, can I tell you that God will move upon your life? And it's not about feeling. It's about the fire of the Holy Spirit that's stirred up. It's about the renewal of God that moves upon your life. And I want to encourage you, a worshiping church is a transformative church, is a life-changing church, and that's what we want in our lives. Amen? Could you stand with me this morning as we worship? Worship bands get excited. Here's how we're going to end today. We're going to end by singing that song we began with, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and giving God the glory. And here's, I'm going to give you two invitations. One of them is very simply this. I want to invite you to take a step in praising God. Just, just you and the Lord, whatever it is. Maybe for you, God's stirring you that you need to surrender. And normally you would just stand there, but maybe God's calling you just to kneel before him. Maybe you need to release something. Maybe you need to be filled, whatever it is. And God's just inviting you just to lift your hands like, ah, I don't know. But just, just release it to him. Whatever it is, you and him, you and the Lord, I'm going to invite you. And the second thing is we're going to open the altar. First service, I said this. Second service, the same thing. Every week we open the altar. We believe for God to move upon your life. So if you need God to move upon your life or you have something you need to surrender to him or you just need to come and kneel old school, kneel before the altar and lay it at his feet, or you need freedom this morning, or I I really felt like God said direction. Maybe you need direction today, clarity and wisdom. I'm just going to invite you in a second to come to the altar, and our prayer team will be around. They'll put their hand on your shoulder. If you'd like to pray with them, then you can just look at them. If not, just keep praying and doing your thing. But I'm going to invite you. Let me pray for you, and I'm going to open the altar today. Jesus, we thank you this morning for the gift of worship upon each life. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can praise you. We pray stir our hearts. We pray move in this church. We pray stir up revival worship that we wouldn't be stuck in the trappings of the world or the shame of the world, but we would be released. We lift our hands and surrender. We fall on our face before you. We dance in joy. We declare the goodness of the King. And we release it to you today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.